You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right. Uh, but no, I, 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 I appreciate the song. If you turn to Philippians chapter number four this morning, but I appreciate the song, man. You listen to the words of that song, and man, it just blesses your heart. Uh, man, I'm glad I'm saved, and I'm glad Christ loved me that much to pay the price for my sin and for the sin uh, and the sins of the world. So thankful for that. So that excites me. Then it, it excites me that my three daughters are up here singing it, uh, and so that blesses my heart. And then it blesses me that there's three other lovely ladies up here singing it as well, amen, that just love the Lord and just to see what God's doing, uh, amen. So we just are thankful for, for what God has done and, uh, and what He's doing, praise the Lord. I, it's good to see this good number in church this morning. I uh, wasn't sure what to expect, but uh, sure do appreciate the great number today. So we are going to be in the book of Philippians, chapter number four this morning, and I just want to read a couple of verses and, uh, and, and share a principle with you this morning. As many of you know, uh, th these principles are going to sound real familiar with those that have been coming to this church for quite some time, because since these are principles uh, that have changed my life, they're principles that I share a lot because I believe they can help change the lives of others as well. And when I talk about a principle, one thing that you'll find when it comes to the Word of God, the Word of God is an amazing book, uh, which is just an incredible understatement. But one of the cool things about God's Word is it's not just about a couple verses here and there. What you'll find is from Genesis all the way through to Revelation is biblical principles. In other words, it's neat. You could, a guy could get up and preach or teach or you could read out of the book of Psalms and you could find a principle there in Psalms and then you go over to Daniel, then you go to Philippians and you find the same principle repeated. And there's a lot of principles repeated in the Word of God. And so it's just awesome in that way. And this is one of those principles. And, and what I want to preach about this morning, which will probably no, come as no surprise, but I want to preach about Christians and Corona. Christians and Corona. And this isn't a message about alcohol. That'll be a different time. But it's about uh, the coronavirus. And, and just buckle up and hang on if you're somebody that says, oh, man, I've been hearing so much about the coronavirus. If you're like me, I can remember uh, when it first started taking over the news. You know, I'm just like, really? So then I'd turn it over to Sports Center and be just, that's fine. I go watch Sports Center. Then, of course, then it took over Sports Center. I'm like, what in the world's going on? Um, and so you may be thinking, now I don't want to come to church and hear about it, but just bear with me because I'm not going to preach as much about the coronavirus as much as, again, a principle, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's persecution, whether it's wars, whether it's anything that we may face in our lives, these principles will apply. So as we think about Christians and Corona this morning, and I guess I would start off by asking this question today. Should you be worried about COVID-19? Should you be worried about COVID-19, otherwise known as the coronavirus? Now, the answer to this question is a resounding no. But hold on. Before you, you can be on either side of this thing. Before you get too worked up and say, wait a second, Pastor, this is a serious issue. I didn't say it wasn't serious, did I? The question I asked was, should you be worried? All right? So before you get too worked up and say, now, wait a minute, or... Before, if you're on the other extreme, before you find yourself taking some false hope and saying, oh, that could never bother me, it's nothing, nothing, nothing could ever bother me, I'm a Christian, I'm serving the Lord, or whatever, because um, uh, I, I want to let you know this, 
Should, should you be worried about COVID-19? The answer is no. But here's one thing I want you to understand. Biblically speaking, the answer to any question that's, that begins, should you be worried about, and you can fill in the blank. You know what the answer still is? A resounding no. A resounding no. Now, I do want to take a moment, and I'll, I'll probably mention a time or two, to mention there is a difference between legitimate uh, worry and concern. Okay? Uh, there's concern. There can be legitimate concern. However, uh, we should not worry. Now, at the very start of this message, I just want to tell you a way that I think you can tell whether or not you've crossed from concern to worry. Now again, we're talking about principles this morning. So this is true whether it be coronavirus or whether it be any other issue you may be facing in your life or that you will face in your life. How can you tell if you've crossed over from concern to worry? Have you ever known anybody, and maybe we've all done it from time to time, to where we'll, we'll say, we'll be mad at someone, and uh, we'll chew them out, and then turn around and say, I'm not mad or anything. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not. I'd hate to see you mad if you're not mad right now, right? So, Because well, what we can do sometimes as Christians is say, oh, I'm not worried. I'm just really concerned. But, but, but the truth be told, sometimes it can be hard to tell. What, how can I tell if I've crossed the line from concern to worry? And I want to say this also at the onset of this message, that please do not be uh, so dismissive of the coronavirus or even the panic of the coronavirus to where you uh, become condescending to someone who is legitimately having uh, worry with it, okay? Uh, please don't do that uh, because we, we don't want to, uh, you know, get a rea our reaction from whatever the news and, and the reaction may be and then in turn be talking about, I can't believe everybody's having this reaction and then have a negative reaction toward people that are struggling with it. You know, let's take it kind of case by case when it comes to that. Okay, but how can you tell that you've crossed from worry to concern? And here's the, here's the way to check. And it, it's a quick checkup. It's an easy checkup, all right? The checkup is this. If you've lost your joy, if you've lost your peace, and if you've lost hope, you're worrying. If you can't come in here and praise the Lord this morning, if you can't praise the Lord at your home, you're worrying. If you don't have peace, you're worrying. And if you don't have hope, you're worrying. Bottom line, you say, what do I do about that? Well, I'm going to try to uh, tell you some things you can do about that and try to encourage. And I'm not picking on you because you know why you may worry? Because you're human. And I'm telling you, we all are prone to worry to some extent or the other. Now, God knows that there are some personalities, and some of you know very well, that are prone to worry a lot more. And, uh, and, and there's, there's, there's an extent to where that's a gift. A lot of times those are the people that are more detailed people. They're the people that have more questions. They're the people that a lot of times uh, are more uh, concerned with uh, things being done just right. So in other words, uh, there's, there's a, a positive side of this, but the worry side is not a positive side of that. So have you lost your joy? Have you lost your peace? Have you lost hope? Furthermore, are you spreading your lack of joy, your lack of peace, and your lack of hope around? 
Oh, praise the Lord. How can you praise the Lord? You know, this is serious, don't you? <laughs> All right, I mean, and so uh, those are some things to look at this morning. And so I'm just trying to give you my heart this morning. Uh, if, if, here's another way to tell if you've crossed from concern to worry. If you're making more of a problem than you are of God and His goodness. Now, this is coronavirus. It's any other thing we may face. Are you making more of your illness? Are you making more of uh, your uh, current difficulties or a trial that you're facing? Do you make more of that? Do you think more of that? Do you talk more of that than you do the goodness and the greatness of our God and His Word? If so, you've probably crossed the line from concern uh, into worry. And matter of fact, or you could say which comes, you know, the cart before the horse type of thing. But sometimes the reason you're worried, as we're going to see in just a moment, is because you're not praising the Lord, because you're not thinking about the things. And so with that in mind, I want to look, uh, well, well real, real quickly, just a couple more things. Whether, whether it be persecution, whether it be famine, pestilence, or sword, we... And you, we do not have to worry. Now, again, let's get into the scripture here. Philippians 4, verse 6. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. Okay? And what that simply means is this. Don't worry about anything. All right? Be careful for nothing. But, so if I'm not going to worry, what am I going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. But in everything, by prayer. Now, again, I'm not going to spend as much time on this verse because this is normally where I like to put it in park uh, and preach a little bit while because so, so many of you will be familiar, but just indulge me for those that aren't as familiar with this verse. The Bible says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Those are all three different types of prayer. See, we talk about prayer in a very generic way. We just said pray or we need to pray or I prayed. But the Bible doesn't actually do that. The Bible divides up different types of prayers. It talks about prayers. It talks about intercessions. Here it talks about supplications. It talks about thanksgivings. These are all different types of prayer that we just generically call prayer, which is fine, except that we miss the meaning of it a lot of times. That very first word means to adore. It means to, I mean, it, it carries the idea of praise to God. It, it carries the idea of thinking much of the Lord. So the idea of praying in this text is really praising. Many of you know the Lord's Prayer and how it starts. When the, when the disciples asked the Lord, teach us to, to pray, they said what? The first thing he said is, okay, when you pray, start off this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He said, so before you give any request, before you give any burdens, before you ask for anything, pause and say, hallowed be thy name. And of course, we, it's, it's often called the Lord's Prayer. I think more scripturally speaking, it would be properly titled the model prayer. It's not that you have to pray that way every time you pray, but it's a model. And the very first thing he says is praise the Lord. Again, what I'm telling you today is a principle. Throughout the Word of God, you'll see people, you'll see Daniel, whenever he was told, if anybody's caught praying, they're going to be thrown into the den of lions. They're going to die. The Bible says the first thing he did is he went to the Lord and he praised Him. Amen? It tells what he said. And he went and praised God. He didn't go and say, oh God, this is terrible. What's going to happen? He said, before I tell about anything else, I want to magnify the Lord. The reason that's important is because we praising God is magnifying God. 
So in everything by prayer, that's magnifying the Lord. But, and what happens when we do that? Our faith is increased. Because let's be reminded about a couple things about our God. Our God, your God, the one who cares for you, the one who has promised that he loves you, the one who gave his life for you, the one who said that he feeds the birds of the air, which, by the way, would bankrupt uh, Jeff Bezos. I think, in about a day, if not two days. If he had to feed the birds of the world, he would be bankrupt in just a matter of days. He would take everything that he had. Uh, and, but, but, but God said, I feed the birds every day. But he never died for a bird. He said, are you not much more precious than they? See, he's promised to take care of you. That God... He's the God. What am I doing right now? I'm about to praise Him. Now, what we should do, remind ourselves of some things, Dan. Because what's on our minds right now? Man, if this happens. And some of you are in the boat of me. Well, I'm not a bit scared. Somebody, someone may say, I'm not a bit scared of the virus. But I sure am scared about people's reaction. Right? Wherever you may be, you might be like, oh my goodness, that may be what's worrying you. Um, but if, if, if I go to God and I'm frantic, Shane, I'm thinking, oh, man, this, that, and the other thing. But if I stop and say, wait, 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 wait. Before I rush in and start with all that and start telling God how big my problems are, first, I'm going to go in and just tell God how great he is. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to remind me that that God, my God, your God, he's the one that spoke and brought this world into existence. He's the one that by speaking those words, the Bible says all things still consist. <laughs> what is it that holds uh, the, the, the most minute matter? What is it that holds atoms together? It's the word of his power. Amen? Amen? That's what it is. And so he's that God. He's the God that's given us a book that's full of prophecies that's told us the end from the beginning. That, that so many of the prophecies have already come to pass, others are coming to pass before our eyes, which again is my, actually my plan next week to preach about the prophetic application to some of these things. But he's told us all these things. That's my God. So now what happens? Now, Zach, my heart starts kind of getting a little lifted up. And I think, man, you're a big old God. You know the end from the beginning. You're not surprised. God is not turning on the news this morning saying, what's the latest figures? What have they found out? God already knows it all. He's already seen this thing end. That's my God. And so instead of going to God, here's, because I'm telling you, did you know you can pray incorrectly? You can pray wrong. Praying wrong is when we come in and we say, well, I prayed about it. Have you prayed correctly about it? Did you pray like this? Oh, dear God, I come today in Jesus' name. This is going wrong. And that's going wrong. And Eric, my portfolio, man, it's not looking great. I mean, and on and on, you know. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm serious. You ever pray like that? I've prayed like that. You know what you're doing? Wasting your time. He said, well, doesn't the Bible say I need to pour out my complaint before the Lord? Yes, because it says with prayer and supplication. But what's first? Prayer, praise. Because now... Instead of me going and tell God how big my problems are, I can go tell my problems what? How big my God is. Amen. Ain't that right? Amen. And that's the way we can live our lives. And so that's one of the ways that we can pass over from worry to faith and winning. 
Amen. We don't, you don't have to worry. Why? Because your God is big. So the more we pray and magnify the Lord, the smaller our problems come. Our problems don't go away. I will say this, if you learn to praise God properly, you're going to find out that a lot of those, I've done this so many times, I've come to God with a laundry list of problems, just right down the line. But I catch myself, Ron, because I go to rush in like that, and I think to myself, oh God, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is falling apart. But then I start, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, I just remembered something. I need to praise you first, Lord. So I stop, I pause, I'm intentional, and I say, okay, Lord, first I want to just praise you. I want to thank, I start praising him for saving me. I start praising him that he was willing to give his life. He went, really? See, the Bible says in the book of Romans, the Bible says, he that willingly gave his son for us, will he not willingly give us all things? So when I start thanking you, Lord, you love me enough to go to the cross for me? You love me enough to be beaten, spat upon, beard ripped out, the whole nine yards, carry my sin upon you? But then you know what we think? If we're not careful, we forget. He loves us that much, but he don't love me enough to make sure he takes care of my needs tomorrow. Amen. He doesn't love me enough to take care of me. I love what the third stands of amazing grace said. It's grace that's brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Amen. So you can see that praising God, then we bring our supplications. But I've come to God with that laundry list, and by the time I got done praising him, I've cut about that list probably by two-thirds or more. Right. And I'll say, you know what, Lord, I'm not even worried about that other stuff. You're going to work it out. Amen. But now, God, here's some things I do want to pray about. Amen. Some prayer, supplication, intercessions, praying for other people. Okay, so, uh, so, so the Scripture, all right? Set your affection on things above, the Bible talks about. Let our hearts be there. I was going to talk some about the stats. As far as Corona is concerned, uh, you know, I, sometimes I just feel like the reporting hasn't been... As, uh, as much as they talk about it, I, don't th I, think, I feel like there's information that they're still not telling us, if you know what I mean. Basic information. I mean, uh, as of 1230 this morning, as far as coronavirus is concerned, there was 3,045 3, cases in America. Uh, 60 deaths. Every one of those matter. I wouldn't minimize that number. Uh, there's been 56 that have recovered. Currently... There are 2,929 active cases. Uh, so there's uh, 20, 29,000 that are infected patients right now. Uh, 20, 29,029. 29, okay, I'm trying to get this. Basically, here's the thing. In our country, of the 3,045, 2,919 are in mild condition. They've got a dry cough and, and so forth. They're, they're sick. So uh, 2,919 out of the 3,045 have a mild condition. This is CDC. Ten are in serious or critical condition. Now, I don't, I don't want to go and try to be a, a major minimalist here because that's not to say that those 3,000 people aren't going to spread more and that there's more people that are sick and there's more numbers coming out. I'm just giving you the numbers. The CDC also says that uh, while information uh, so far suggests that COVID-19 illness is mild, a report out of China suggests serious illness covers uh, or occurs in 16% of cases. Uh, older people and people of all ages with severe chronic medical conditions like heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, for example, seem to be at a higher risk of uh, developing serious COVID-19 illness. 
And just for comparison, I know they're different, but just hear me out for a moment. Uh, the CDC estimates that so far this flu season, so far this flu season, there have been at least 15 million illnesses uh, for the 2019-2020 flu season. Out of those, there's been 140,000 hospitalizations uh, for the flu and 8,200 deaths in the U.S. from the flu so far this flu season. All right? Um, and so I understand that they're, they're different, but I'm just giving you some stats here, okay? Now, I'm beyond the stats, and I want to get back to the Scriptures, okay? Uh, the Scriptures. So instead of looking just at the stats, let's look at the Scriptures as well. Uh, so a couple things. I've already said one. If you're going to overcome worry, the first thing you're going to have to do is look right. Uh, you're going to have to look right. You're going to have to pray right. Um, there again, he says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. So looking right, praying right. The admonitions. Now, here's, here's the, getting back to the principle of this thing, okay? Who is it that wrote Philippians 4, 6? The Apostle Paul. Where was he at while writing Philippians 4, 6? In prison. What was he awaiting... <laughs> in prison when he wrote Philippians 4, 6. Execution. He was going to be decapitated for the cause of Christ. Okay? The point I'm trying to make is this. And he's writing to Christians who are very soon going to lose their homes. Their families be broken up. Many of them will lose their lives under persecution, under the Roman Empire. Uh, so, that's why I got what I said earlier. Uh, that's why I'm not trying to minimize the coronavirus. Uh, I'm just preaching to you about principles this morning because even if the news today was as one presidential can candidate uh, emphasized that there's carnage in the streets, even if you had to worry about walking out and there being carnage in the streets and right outside of the church, even if you knew there was certain death awaiting you out there, you want to know something? God's still worthy of our praise. Amen. All right, so, uh, so, so that's what he's writing to. He's a man about to die writing to people that are soon to be, have their lives totally turned upside down. And he says what? Be careful for nothing. But man, don't forget to praise God. All right, so, uh, so again, uh, the Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look. So we need to look right. While we look, not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Question for you this morning. Is our God still on the throne? My God is. Amen. My God's still on the throne. He's still in control. We live in a, we, we live in a sin-cursed world, a world that chose sin over God. Therefore, they reap the, the, the results of that. But I'm telling you, God is still mercifully in control. Are you still in His thoughts? <laughs> does He still care about you? Yes, He does. So we need to pray and we need to persist. We need to praise and persevere. We need to think and thank Him. All right? So we need to look right. We need to trust right. We need to trust right. See, praise leads to trusting God. So looking right, trusting right. Trusting God, listen to this, does not mean convincing yourself that nothing bad is going to happen to you. That's not trust. But it's saying that even if something bad does happen to you, you will still serve Him, you will still praise Him because He's in control. 
See, trusting God does not mean it's not a message that says everything's going to be okay and that nothing bad is going to happen. See the reference, amen? See the context again. Doesn't mean that. I could get an illness today. I could drop dead of a stroke, coronary, whatever, before I walk out of those doors today. So could you. I could be killed. I could be shot. There's all kinds of things that could happen to me. Uh, I could be persecuted. I could catch a deadly disease and, uh, and, and suffer. So trusting God doesn't mean I'm trusting Him. I'm trusting Him. I'm trusting Him. I know, I know it's not going to get to me. What if it does get to you? Right? What if it does get to your family? Can you trust him then? Uh, a, a very, this again, what I'm talking about is biblical principles. Do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They stood, and, and the, the, the announcement was made that if you don't bow before this image, you're going to be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And, and you know what those boys said? They trusted God. Here's what they said. The God that we serve is able to deliver us out of here uh, from that fiery furnace, king. God is able we're trusting God. If God sees fit, He could just sweep us from here right now. He could cause a torrent of rain to come right down on that furnace. We forget about that sometimes. They didn't know what, the, what was going to happen next, so they were trusting God that He could deliver them from that furnace. But they had a great profession of faith after that that said this, but if not, but if not, see, a lot of Christians may get to a place where they say, you know what, God's able, man. I believe God can protect our family from this. I'm trusting God to protect our family from this. Or I'm trusting God to do this in my life or to answer that prayer. But have you got to this point? But if not, what then? Because here's what those Hebrew boys said. They said, but if not, be it known unto the old king, we're not bowing down. Nothing's changing. We're going to keep on serving our God. We're going to keep on staying faithful to our God. And so uh, we need to learn to trust right. I love what Psalm 46 says. One of my favorite Psalms. Uh, I got about 150 favorite Psalms, and this is one of them. And the Bible says uh, in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear. And notice this, though the mountains be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. And he goes on and it's a great psalm. But see, God's my refuge. And he said, you know what he's saying right there? If the whole world falls apart, my God is still good. He's still my refuge, amen? I love Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 18. If there's not a harvest, if judgment comes, he says, yeah, well, I rejoice in the Lord, amen? Because God's good. God, the goodness of God never changes amidst circumstances. Um, I want to give you a quick under-trusting right. I want to make sure that you don't do this. Don't trust in the government. I just, the government's going to get this straight because every time the government's involved, it makes things better. Right? Uh, no. Uh, listen, don't, don't, be careful where you place your trust. Uh, I think about Israel. Israel, when they were facing Babylonian uh, captivity or, or even siege, they were threatened by the Babylonians and they were trusting in Egypt. Egypt was still a strong nation at that time. And Isaiah 36, 6 says this, Lo, thou trustest in the staff of this broken reed on Egypt, whereon if a man lean, it will go through his hand and pierce it. 
Uh, so is Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to all that trust him. The picture there is of leaning on a staff that's broken. So if we put our trust in the wrong thing, he said it's like leaning on a staff that's broken. And he says when you lean on it, it's going to break and go straight through your hand. And that sounds painful. And you want to know something? If you put your trust in the wrong places, it's going to be painful. If you put your trust, now that does not mean to say that we don't put some measure of trust in medicine and, you know, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that ultimately our trust needs to be in the Lord. Um, and so uh, we need to learn to uh, think right or praise right, uh, look right, trust right. Uh, verse 8, I won't spend a ton of time on, uh, but verse 8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. Did you know the, the, the news loves peddling good news? The most money is to be made in good news. Now, if you know anything at all, you're questioning my credibility right now, amen? Because that's not the case. Bad news is what turns pages, amen? Bad news is what gets clicks. Um, but they're reluctant. So, but if there be anything that's of a good report, if there be any praise, the Bible says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what's those last words there? That last phrase? Think on these things. God has blessed us, each of us, with a very good gift, and that is this, many gifts, but one of those is this. You can only think one thought at a time. Amen? Only one thought at a time. So you need to choose what you're going to think about. See, a lot of us don't realize you can do that. We sit and think on things we ought not think about. I just can't quit thinking about it. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. You can if you quit to keep telling yourself you can't, but you can. Start thinking on something better. Think on, and I'm telling you this. So one of the things, one of the ways to help do that, I, I believe in staying informed. I want to say that right here at the onset of what I'm saying. But when you find yourself losing peace, hope, joy, and so forth, it might be time to turn the news off. It might be time to get off of that article, amen? amen. And it might be time to go over and, 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 and read the Word of God. I mean, find something else to think about. There are good, there's a lot of good to think about, amen? Look over at your wife or your husband or your kids or, uh, I mean, th think about how good God's been to you and praise the Lord and be grateful and smile, amen, and, and, and enjoy, I mean, be careful about the influences of your mind. So think right, please. And then the last one that I want to give you quickly that I really wanted to get to is this one. Verse number 10, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 9 of Philippians 4 says this, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, what's that one little word? Do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Do. All right? Uh, there's an interesting thing in the book of Acts. So, so, so this point is this, live right. Pray right, trust right, think right, live right. And I want to add to that live right, love right. Because they go together. Live right, love right. In Acts chapter 5 verse 25, the Bible says, Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. I'll give you a quick background. These are the apostles. 
They were preaching in Jesus' name. The religious leaders didn't like it. And by the way, the religious leaders are normally the people who hate the preaching of truth and of Christ. That's a principle as well. So they, put, they had them put into prison. The angel opened up the doors. Those men walked out of prison. The verse I read to you, the, the officials are like, Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Those guys are out of prison. The guards went in this morning. The cells are open. The men are gone. They're probably halfway to, you know, Europe by now. Somebody's going to have to answer for this. Somebody comes in quick and says, You don't have to worry about it. Those guys are over in the temple where you picked them up at yesterday. Where they got arrested. Where they got put in jail. What were they doing? They were doing right. Why would they do this? Because you know what they cared more about than their own, cell, their, own, uh, their own interest, if you will, was Jesus Christ. It was the Savior. And you know what else it was? Souls. Souls. All right? Souls. They were more concerned about souls than their own lives and their own freedom. And here's the last point I want to say about this. Do right. Christians do not run from danger, whether it be pestilence or persecution. Now, I mean, of course, there's, there's, that's a broad statement, but... Uh, bear with me for the, the point that I'm trying to make. In the early 4th century, famine and war afflicted the city of Caesarea. Then the plague hit. The populace was already weakened and unable to withstand this additional blow. The populace began fleeing the city uh, to one of the larger cities or to uh, the countryside. And this was one of the largest cities of the Roman Empire. They were going there for safety. However, in the midst of the fleeing inhabitants, there was one group that stayed behind. It was Christians. A historian of the early church recorded, All day long, some of them, the Christians, tended to the dying and to their burial, countless members with no one to care for them. So here's what happened. Those pagans, when their people got sick, they weren't going to stay around and take care of them. We might get sick. They hightailed it and run. And if that sounds crazy to you then, you, then then you fail to realize the impact that Christianity has made on society because that was commonplace back then. It was nothing to desert a child. It was nothing to have a baby and just lay them at the temple, at the steps of a temple of some false god and literally just let them uh, lay there and starve and thirst to death. It was common practice. A man, a man at any in just about every culture of the ancient world before the impact of Christianity, a man could kill, I mean, not, not only his uh, little babies, he could just choose to kill one of his kids. That's fine. Uh, I mean, uh, human life had very little value before the impact of Christianity became on the world. So that's what happened. These people are just like, man, you're sick. I'm out of here. But the people that stayed were the Christians. The Bible said no one cared for them. Others, these other Christians, gathered uh, together from all parts of the city a multitude of those withered from famine and distributed bread to them all. That's what the Christians did. People left. The Christians didn't run. The account goes on to state that because of their compassion in the midst of the plague, the Christians' uh, deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. See, and I'll just give you another quick one here about doing right, loving right. Between 250 and 270 A.D., there was another terrible plague, believed to be measles or smallpox, that devastated the Roman Empire. At the height 
of what came to be known as the plague of Cyperion. Cyperion was uh, the bishop who chronicled what was happening, the plague of Cyperion. 5,000 people died every day in the Roman Empire at the height of it. The plague coincided with the first worldwide persecution of Christians under the, em the emperor Decetius. Not surprisingly, Decetius and other enemies blamed Christians for the plague. You know, they weren't pleasing the gods, so the gods sent these plagues. But, but, but that claim was undermined by two inconvenient facts for the emperor. Number one, Christians died from the plague like everybody else, but unlike everybody else, they cared for the victims of the plague, including their pagan neighbors. Those that would mock them, those that would turn them into authorities, they get sick. Those Christians are there on the doorstep with some bread or with some supplies. Amen? Uh, our modern day with some toilet paper, all right? Um, if you got it. Uh, See, this, this was something, this wasn't new. Christians had done the same thing during the Antoine plague a century earlier. As documented in the rise of Christianity, Christians stayed in the afflicted cities when pagan leaders, including physicians, left. I mean, plague after plague, this is one that we could pick just, you could pick a number of plagues through history, and these accounts are the exact same. Even the doctors would leave oftentimes. But the Christians would stay. And I mean, and, and, and so the point is this. See, the secular and the so-called, quote-unquote, scientific worldview is that helping other people, you know, who's, you know whose job that's to be by, by some leaders today? It's the government's job. It's the government's job to take care of people. Well, I don't want to count on the government to take care of me, amen? But I'm glad these Christians and th th this society, the government wasn't taking care of these people. Uh, and uh, I mean... And I just got to say that the same government that uh, swears to take care of people aren't exactly taking care of people. And sometimes they say they're going to take care of people, and there's so many people that are dying at their hands. It's just sad. But, uh, but, but what I'm trying to say is this. That's not the way it went. See, the way, it's, the, the way it happens is that Christianity made an impact. Have you ever noticed this in, in the world? Now, now, don't get bent out of shape. I mentioned this in Sunday school, and I'll just say it here quickly, and I'm about done, about doing right, because this falls into context. If you hear me talking about socialism, if you hear me talking about communism, don't think that I'm trying to get political or, or push some political point of view necessarily, because I'm not. Because what you'll find out is there are spiritual aspects to communism and socialism. Therefore, it's my responsibility, since that's what's going on in the world, to tell you and, and, and to comment on where those things cross into our lives, spiritually speaking. So it's an interesting thing. If you look what happens in socialist countries, uh, in communist countries, when there's disasters, you know what usually happens? Again, this is it's pretty commonplace. It's not the same thing that happens in this country that's been under a Judeo-Christian influence. These people have been learned that, gov that government is God, trust in government. So you know what they do when a disaster happens? They wait for the government to help. The government's going to help our neighbors. The government's going to help me. But you look in our country, what normally happens when there's a disaster? I mean, people are gone. There's a hurricane, there's a flood, people are loading up in their boats and they're going out to help somebody, aren't they? See, and what I'm trying to get to is this. That is because of a Christian influence in this country. That's just what we do. So when I talk about 
thinking right, praying right, trusting right, living right, loving right. Loving means this, that we're going to care from somebody else. Amen? We'll share our toilet paper. We'll share our hand sanitizer if you use that stuff. And by the way, one of the things that's a little bit amusing for me, and I, uh, I know talking about t toilet paper can be uncouth, you know, uh, I guess publicly, but I mean, I'm just like, man, if you grew up as poor as me, you knew what it was like to go without toilet paper. I'm like, man, there's other ways, amen? Did I amen that? Uh, Let's all stand, please, this morning. It's on you can come on and play. And I, I do want to say this, and you don't have to worry. you got a good God that's looking out for you, amen? amen? I do want to say this, though. One of the things that this coronavirus does make, is one of the things on a lot of people's mind with coronavirus and any, uh, is death. And you know what? That's not necessarily a bad thing, unless you're worried about it. But now, you could be here today and not be saved. You may have just cause to be worried. Because perhaps you don't know where you're going to spend eternity when you die. Do you know today? I'll tell you something. Jesus made the way. Amen? And one thing that you can not have to worry about for sure, if you know Christ as Savior is you don't have to worry about where you're going to spend eternity. You're going to spend eternity either in a blissful heaven or a burning hell. Jesus went to the cross to make sure that you could spend it in heaven.